Late Night Health continues. I'm Mark Allen. We're going to spend a couple more minutes with Andy Zwick uh, from Life Extension. I asked him a question and he said, you should have asked me that. So we're going to spend a few minutes doing that. And that is, we hear all about clinical studies, okay? Big Pharma does a clinical study, for example, and they do, you know, 10,000 people, 20,000 people, and they say this stuff cures diabetes, heart disease, brain disease, uh, uh, if you have a leaky bladder, all these different things. Of course, they also talk about the side effects, but are clinical studies real? Do they, do, do they give us information that works? So that's a great question. I worked in pharmaceutical research at a large pharma for 18 years. And so I think what people need to understand is that randomized controlled double-blind studies were developed for the pharmaceutical industry. The reason is, is because there's a high risk ratio. We know that there's safety issues at some dose. And especially, you know, people more diseased, they're taking other things. And so the benefit has to outweigh the, the risk. So that's why they developed those types of, of studies. And we also know that there's a large placebo effect for almost everything, especially in more endpoints such as depression and things like that. So what happens is that you're looking for a differential between the placebo and, and the drug. And regarding that placebo effect, my understanding is if patient A trusts and likes his or her doctor, the placebo effect goes up. It doesn't. You can be giving them sugar pills. Yeah, the, and actually they've done open-label studies where they tell you you're going to get a sugar pill and people still get advantage. So it doesn't even have to be hidden. It's because they have that relationship with the doctor. Someone's caring about them. They're, they're, they're doing something active to help themselves. I think that's a big part of it. So when we look at our studies, we do randomized control, double-blinded sometimes, but that's not reality of what happens in the real world. And even in the pharmaceutical world, you need that to get your foot in the door. And then what happens? People try it. Doctors try it. And they, they work or they don't work. And they work, they figure out what patients they work in and what they don't work in. In our case, again, we do randomized control trials sometimes. Sometimes we do open label trials because my goal is to really understand, will this product help the typical customer. And if there's a placebo effect associated with it, sometimes it doesn't doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, it's probably working in, in combination. So we're really thinking about, is this, how do we develop a study where we can determine with relative confidence that in the general population, this will have a benefit? And it ranges from open label studies to randomized control clinical trials. But I think that's a, it's a great thing and people need to understand that it's not that a randomized control clinical, clinical trial does not guarantee that you'll have success in the disease or condition uh, population. I've always wondered about this and that is, hi Mr. Researcher, because you're doing it in-house, mm -hmm. but a lot of companies go to a third-party researcher, right? Mm -hmm. And they say, hi, I have this new product. I want you to do a study on it. We're going to pay you a lot of money because these studies are expensive, all right? My pill controls diabetes. I would think right from the start, 
that skewed the study. He said it has, <laughs> it has it has it has an influence, and that's why you know for a drug study like that you do want a randomized control so that the people that are doing the study don't really know. They don't know if they're getting a placebo or they're getting the drug. They'll all have the benefit of knowing it's and, and it's disclosed to the subjects. They know this is a study for weight loss or this is a study for diabetes, and that's why in many studies there's a the placebo effect the weight loss study. Most people in the placebo group will lose weight because they know it's a weight loss study. They're motivated to do the study because they want to lose weight, but that wanes over time. They'll gain they'll gain weight back. So, is there a better way of doing this? There's people that are there's more thought around real life. You know, these, they call them these N of one studies and these other things. So it's real experiential studies. And again, that's why I think some things. For example, we did a we did a study recently with nocturia for men getting up at night to urinate. We didn't really feel like we needed a placebo because you either get up or you don't get up, and you know that. And so we tried to do it as real life as possible. We 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 gave them the pills, um, and we said, "Here's how you report it, and you do this and you do that." And at the end, felt pretty confident that. We got positive results that this would actually work because the way we were treating the people is the same way they would they would treat it. They would buy it in the store, we would teach them about it, and they would they would go and take it. So I, I think there is a lot of benefit to more real life studies. And, it, and again, it depends on the the endpoint. I guess what bothers me, and I know you're out of we're, we're running out of time, is that somebody does a big pharma says I've got this study. Uh, uh, clinical studies and it's going to stop radioitis okay it's a disease radioitis and it's going to stop it and they start selling it and in three years they go oops it's killing people right that's that's one and then last but not least I was looking at a big pharma ad because it's on everything Right, yeah. and it said average price per month is thirty two hundred dollars, but you have a coupon; you can have it for ten. Mm. I don't understand things like that. I don't expect you to answer the, the last part. Yeah. yeah, are you confused about that too, or is yeah. that just marketing? It's 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 marketing, and it's getting things out there. And it's um, I mean, drug development is extremely expensive, um, you know. But there's in our FDA requirements, but the FDA requirement and meeting those tests doesn't mean it's going to be a su- successful product. And sometimes, depending on the disease, you know, you're not looking for, you know, it's not like 10% of the placebo group improved and 90% of the other people. It's it's incremental. And so then you always, you know, and the physician has to re- weigh, and the FDA does, I guess, to a certain point, is the risk-benefit ratio make sense for this particular indication. In the supplement world, the risk is, I don't want to say non-existent, but extremely small. So the equation is is, is much different. Andy, thank you for joining us again and coming back. I made him sit down again. Uh, Andy Zwick, the Chief Scientific Officer for Life Extension, the science of a healthier life. And we'll be talking to him again. We've got Mike Smith. We have Mike Smith booked 
I think in the next couple of weeks on the keto diet, which we had mentioned earlier. You can join Life Extension at lifeextension.com. All right, we're going to bring up our music again. And we're going to say uh, goodbye for right now. We'll be back soon. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about, um, I think we have Dick Benson coming up. Uh, Dick Benson's coming up in uh, in a little bit. He'll be our next guest live from the Supply Side West in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Mark Allen. Join us at LateNightHealth.com. Also, Facebook.com slash LateNightHealthRadio. Twitter.com slash LateNightHealth. And finally, LinkedIn. LinkedIn.com slash Mark Allen. M-A-R-K-A-L-Y-N. All right, we'll be back soon. Don't go away. More coming up live from Supply Side West.